Powell and Plum were missile repairmen. They belonged to Propellant Transfer System, PTS, Team A of the 308th Strategic Missile Wing, whose headquarters was about an hour or so away at Little Rock Air Force Base. They'd been called to the site that day because a warning light had signaled that pressure was low in the Stage Two oxidizer tank. If the pressure fell too low, the oxidizer wouldn't flow smoothly to the engine. A low light could mean a serious problem, a rupture, a leak. But it was far more likely that a slight change in temperature had lowered the pressure inside the tank. Air conditioning units in the silo were supposed to keep the missile cooled to about 60 degrees. If Powell and Plum didn't find any leaks, they'd simply unscrew the cap on the oxidizer tank and add more nitrogen gas. The nitrogen maintained a steady pressure on the liquid inside, pushing downward. It was a simple, mundane task, like putting air in your tires before a long drive. Powell had served on a PTS team for almost three years and knew the hazards of the Titan II. During his first visit to a launch complex, an oxidizer leak created a toxic cloud that shut down operations for three days. He was twenty-one years old a proud hillbilly from rural Kentucky who loved the job and planned to re-enlist at the end of the year. Plum had been with the 308th for just nine months. He wasn't qualified to do this sort of missile maintenance or to handle these propellants. Accompanying Powell and watching everything that Powell did was considered Plum's OJT, his on-the-job training. Plum was nineteen raised in suburban Detroit. Although an oxidizer low light wasn't unusual, Air Force technical orders required that both men wear Category 1 protective gear when entering the silo to investigate it. Going Category 1 meant getting into a rocket fuel handler's clothing outfit, RFHCO, an airtight, liquid-proof, vapor-proof, fire-resistant combination of gear designed to protect them from the oxidizer and the fuel. The men called it a REFCO. A REFCO looked like a spacesuit from an early 1960s science fiction movie. It had a white detachable bubble helmet with a voice-actuated radio and a transparent plexiglass face screen. The suit was off-white, with a long zipper extending from the top of the left shoulder across the torso to the right knee. You stepped into the REFCO and wore long johns underneath it. The black vinyl gloves and boots weren't attached, so the REFCO had rolled-down cuffs at the wrists and the ankles to maintain a tight seal. The suit weighed about 22 pounds. The REFCO backpack weighed an additional 35 and carried about an hour's worth of air. The outfit was heavy and cumbersome. It could be hot, sticky, and uncomfortable, especially when worn outside the air-conditioned silo. But it could also save your life. The Stage two oxidizer pressure cap was about two-thirds of the way up the missile. In order to reach it, Powell and Plum had to walk across a retractable steel platform that extended from the silo wall— the tall, hollow cylinder in which the Titan II stood was enclosed by another concrete cylinder with nine interior levels, housing equipment. Level one was near the top of the missile, level nine about twenty feet beneath the missile. The steel work platforms folded down from the walls hydraulically. 
Each one had a stiff rubber edge to prevent the Titan II from getting scratched, while keeping the gap between the platform and the missile as narrow as possible. The airmen entered the launch duct at level two. Far above their heads was a concrete silo door. It was supposed to protect the missile from the wind and the rain and the effects of a nuclear weapon detonating nearby. The door weighed 740 tons. Far below the men, beneath the Titan II, a concrete flame deflector shaped like a W was installed to guide the hot gases downward at launch, then upward through exhaust vents and out of the silo. The missile stood on a thrust mount, a steel ring at level 7 that weighed about 26,000 pounds. The thrust mount was attached to the walls by large springs so that the Titan II could ride out a nuclear attack, bounce instead of break, and then take off.